1: Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know, and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including special guest, Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon, director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Seaton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and we'll also visit the former mayor of Naples, uh, Bill Barnett. <clears throat> it is June the 8th. And on this day in 1968, James Earl Ray, an escaped American convict, was arrested in London, England, and charged with the assassination of African-American civil rights leader Martin Luther King, Jr. On April the 4th, in Memphis, uh, King was fatally shot, wounded, by a sniper's bullet while standing on the balcony outside his second-story room of the uh, Motel Lorraine that evening, a Remington thirty dat 6 hunting rifle was found on the sidewalk behind, uh, beside a rooming house, one block from the Lorraine Motel. <laughs> Does that sound suspicious to you? It <laughs> sounds so suspicious to me. I think he was framed personally. But anyhow, during the next several weeks, the rifle eyewitness reports and fingerprints on the weapon all implicated a single suspect, escaped convict James Earl Ray. A two-bit criminal, Ray escaped a Missouri prison in April of 1967 while serving a sentence for a holdup. In May 1968, a massive manhunt for Ray began. The FBI eventually determined that he obtained a Canadian passport under a false identity. On uh, June 8th, Scotland Yard investigators arrested Ray at the London airport. Ray was trying to fly to Belgium with the eventual goal, he later admitted, of reaching Rhodesia, Rhodesia is now called Zimbabwe, was at the time ruled by an oppressive and internationally condemned white minority government. Extradited to the United States, Rice stood before a Memphis judge in May 1969 and pleaded guilty to King's murder in order to avoid the electric chair. He was sentenced to 99 years in prison. Three days later, he attempted to withdraw his guilty plea, claiming he was innocent of King's assassination and had been set up as a patsy in a larger conspiracy. He claimed that in 1967, a mysterious man named Raoul had approached him and recruited him into a gun-running enterprise. On April 4, 1968, however, he realized he was being the fall guy for the King assassination and fled to Canada. Ray's motion was denied, as were dozens of other requests for a special trial in the next 29 years. During uh, the 1990s, the widow and children of Martin Luther King Jr. spoke publicly in support of Ray and his claims, calling him innocent and speculating about the assassination conspiracy involving the U.S. government and military. Which I perhaps I think is probably the case. U.S. authorities were, in conspiracy's mind, implicated uh, circumstantially. FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover obsessed over King, who he thought was under communist influence. For the next six years of his life, King underwent constant wiretapping and harassment by the FBI. Before his death, Dr. King was uh, monitored by U.S. military intelligence. Uh, who may have been called to watch over King after he publicly denounced the Vietnam War in 1967. Furthermore, by calling for radical economic reforms in 1968, including guaranteed annual incomes for all, King was making few new friends in the Cold War-era U.S. government. <clears throat> Does that sound at all familiar? <laughs> Does it sound like uh, the uh, CIA had been weaponized in the FBI? Over the, uh, the years, the assassination had been re examined by the House Select Committee on Assassinations, the Shelby County, Tennessee District Attorney's Office, and three times by the U.S. Justice Department. <clears throat> All of these investigations had ended with the same conclusion James Earl Ray killed Martin Luther King Jr. The House Committee acknowledged that a low level conspiracy might have existed involving one or more accomplices to Ray, but uncovered no evidence to definitively prove this theory true. In addition to mountains of evidence against him, such as his fingerprints on the murder weapon and admitted to presence at the ho- rooming house on April the fourth, Ray had a, a definite motive in assassinating King. It was hatred, according to his family and friends. He was outspoken racist who told them of his intent to kill King. Ray died in nineteen ninety-eight. Not saying he wasn't pre- present, didn't uh, participate, but I do think somehow, some way, uh, J. Edgar Hoover was involved in this. <coughs> Excuse me, please. The Florida Division of Emergency Management released footage Tuesday appearing to show migrants signing consent forms and agreeing to fly to California, according to a video obtained exclusively. Through the verbal and written consent, these volunteers indicated they wanted to go to California. A contractor was present and ensured that they would be made it safely to a third party NGO probably Catholic Charities, the specific NGO, it was Catholic Charities, was used and funded by the federal government. Uh, Florida sent two migrant flights to Sacramento, one on Saturday and another on Monday, drawing backlash from Democrat uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom and an investigation from California Attorney General Rob Bonta's office, who accused Florida Governor Ron DeSantis of potentially kidnapping the migrants. In spite of this evidence, uh, to the contrary, the DOEM released a video of migrants appearing to sign consent forms and, can, and celebrating the trip. The video shows migrants dis- discussing how happy they were to be visiting California as well as one migrant discussing his journey and run-ins with the cartels. <clears throat> Additionally, migrants can be seen appearing in high spirits while riding in what appears to be some sort of limousine. Far from uh, far from left-leaning mayors in El Paso, Texas, and Denver, Colorado – the uh, relocation of these illegals crossing the United States border is not new. But suddenly, when Florida sends illegal aliens to a sanctuary city, it's false imprisonment and kidnapping, the department said. Florida Governor uh, Ron DeSantis flew migrants to Martha's Vineyard last fall, prompting an outcry from Democrat politicians. So, Gavin Newsom, uh, when you bring this to court, you've got nothing to stand out. we got video proof that these people are excited, not kidnapped. They were uh, happy participants in the trip to California. And by the way, this was all financed by the legislation, legislators uh, in the uh, Florida House and Senate. So uh, uh, it was, uh, the appropriations were there, and uh, I hope you make them, uh, make them a nice home out there in California. Well, the FBI caved to congressional pressure Wednesday night on the eve of the contempt vote, agreeing to let all members of the House Oversight Committee to see an informant memo alleging Joe Biden was involved in a $5 million bribery scheme, as well as some related documents. The committee's chairman, Representative James Comer, announced the deal just hours before his panel was to vote to find FBI Director Christopher Wray in contempt. At issue is a document known as the FD 1023 containing allegations from a confidential informant in June 2020 that the Joe Biden and his vice president uh, traded U.S. policy for money. Then the, uh, I should say, the vice president for money to his family. So uh, Ray caved. And uh, why did he take all this time? Why didn't he just turn the documents over? That's what he's uh, legally obligated to do. Well, the reason, of course, is because uh, the FBI has been weaponized and Ray is a willing participant in the weaponization, in my opinion. Well, Fox News uh, Wednesday notified Tucker Carlson's lawyers that the former primetime anchor violated his contract with the network when he launched his own Twitter show on Tuesday. Shortly after Carlson posted the first episode of his new show on the Twitter Tuesday evening, which, by the way, got within hours over 80 million views. Let me repeat that. 80 million views. Fox News General Counsel Bernard Guger sent a letter to Carlson's lawyer saying Carlson is in breach of his contract agreement. Carlson's legal team, according to its source familiar with its thinking, objects to the network's effort to block Carlson's Twitter's appearances because they believe twitter is not directly competitive with fox news well so uh they have him under contract so he's not allowed to tweet is that uh, their position and in some way somehow their cable news network and they find his tweet to be in contract in violation of the non-compete i don't think so that's a real stretch and uh i think this is just going to leave more egg on the fox face quite frankly Well, as a Fargo events center uh, packed with family, friends, and neighbors, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum stressed his small-town roots as a success in building a multi-billion-dollar software business on the Great Plains, governing a growing state and his vision for an innovative America, In announcing his bid for the White House. The newly minted uh, presidential candidate joined a crowded field of declared Republican presidential candidates, launching his campaign on the same day as former Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, kicked off in Iowa. To unlock the best of America, we need a leader clearly focused on three things, the economy, energy, and national security. And that's why I'm today officially announcing, I am running for the president of the United States of America, Bergam said to a roar of cheers. Uh, Bergama inherited his family farm and mortgaged it to invest in a technology firm, Great Plains Software, which he sold to Microsoft in 2001 for, get this, $1.1 billion dollars. He then served as Microsoft's senior vice president until 2007, uh, founded real estate development company, the Kilborn Group, in 2006, and co-founded software investment firm Arthur Ventures in 2008. The governor had no previous political experience before running for governor in 2016 when he challenged the then state attorney general and former state legislator Wayne Steineham who beat, uh, he beat for the Republican nomination by roughly 20 points. He was a big uh, way behind when he entered the race. And according to Ballotpedia, he overwhelmingly won both terms, beating his Democrat challengers in 2016 and 20 by roughly 60 points and 40 points, respectively. <clears throat> Bergamas maintained high approval ratings throughout his governorship, entering his first and second terms with 69% and 58% support. Uh, The governor, of course, joins a very crowded field, uh, President Donald Trump, former Vice President Mike Pence, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, former U.S. Ambassador Nikki Haley, former New New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, former Arkansas Governor Aza Hutchinson, and businessman Vivek Ramaswamy. And conservative radio personality, Larry Elder. So this guy, now the reason I wanted to cover his, his past, this guy is very impressive. And just think about how deep the uh, Republican bench is for candidates for president of the United States. Many of these people end up, uh, no matter who wins, and I suspect it'll be Trump, but no, no matter who wins, many of these people end up as uh, in pit- positions of authority in the next administration, I believe. So we're fortunate to have such a deep bench here in the Republican Party. Uh, the Democrats, <clears throat> not so much. Well, air pollution is spiking from wildfires that have been raging in Canada and uh, in Quebec and Nova Scotia. A band of smoke from wildfires in Quebec will continue to linger across the east central and southeast of Minnesota today, and due to very light winds. And uh, Monday, adding that the air quality should improve in the evening as the thunderstorms help disperse smoke particles from the air. It is really, really terrible. Air quality is very, very poor in uh, major cities like New York. Some 414 fires were burning in Canada on Tuesday evening, including 239 considered out of control, according to the Canadian authorities. Canada is experiencing one of the worst starts in its wildfire season ever recorded. Uh, more than 6.7 million acres have already b- burned this year, according to federal officials said last week. And and here's the thing. <clears throat> Uh, this is the beginning of the wildfire season. This could only get worse here for the next few months. Uh, so uh, people on the East Coast probably going to have some more bouts of foul air before this is all over. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading life in naples the website is life coming up pastor rick stevens co-founder of the florida citizens alliance that and more right here on the bob hardin show on the bob hardin broadcasting network
0: stay tuned for more of the bob hardin show here on the bob hardin broadcasting network
1: 4541
0: welcome back to the Bob Harton show and now here's your host Bob Harton.
1: thanks so much for joining us here on the show we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon from the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Always a pleasure, Bob. Thanks for having me.
1: My pleasure indeed, Pastor. Rick, tell us about the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance.
3: Well, the Florida Citizens Alliance is a rapidly developing grassroots organization that tries to represent the students and families of Florida and help them find solutions to their educational challenges. We want to be their voice at the local level. We want to be their voice in Tallahassee and we want to find answers to the problems and bring those answers to the decision makers and encourage them to step up and make some good decisions to help our students. We think every student needs a first-class education because every student is eager to learn and we want to help them have a good successful experience with school. So that's kind of what we're about in a lot of ways. And we encourage not only solutions in the public schools, which is a continuing challenge, but we provide alternatives for people. If they want to do homeschooling, we can help them find the materials and the support they need. If they want to do a micro school, which is a really intriguing and exciting option, we can help them with that. So we want to be the the go-to place to help parents find the best education for their kids.
1: Yeah, doing a great job, I must say. Uh, Here in the last decade, you've had so much Positive influence on public education here in Florida. By the way, uh, Florida is ranked number one in the nation in terms of school choice and results for kids in terms of their testing. Uh, unfortunately, I think we're kind of the best of the worst, unfortunately, because <laughs> so many kids are doing so poorly. And I understand, oh, and the website, by the way, is goflca.com. I hope you check it out. Goflca. Dot com. Now, I understand sometimes kids get behind in things like math and reading. There's some se- special support now available through Florida.
3: Yes, we know from <clears throat> all the results that the Florida Department of Education puts out there that reading scores, particularly of our third graders, are just not good. And, and we, we think they need to be improved. We think the schools need to do a better job. But in the meantime, a statistic is meaningless when it's your child. Because when it's your child, it's personal, and it matters, and and we know kids need to learn to read. And so we want to remind parents, families everywhere, that in Florida, if you have a student in grade K through 5 that's struggling with reading, there is a scholarship available. It's an education savings account scholarship, so the parent gets to choose from a variety of options to help their child. It's $500, and they can apply for that on the state scholarship funding organization website, Step Up for Students, and we think they need to take advantage of this because parents parents whose children can't read, they, they, they know there's a problem, yeah, and they just don't know how to fix it, and so this is one of the ways they can step in and help their children. It's a great program.
1: It sounds like a great program. You know, it's, it's just not the inability it's inability to read. It's, you know, the, the, what everything that comes with it, like the lack of self-esteem, un, unable to p- compete uh, and perform with the fellow students and so forth. It's a big, big deal. And, and uh, uh, you know, you need reading skills to su- succeed in life, first of all. But second of all, <clears throat> you want to make sure that uh, your child's education is going to be complete in a number of ways.
3: Well, you're right, because kids who, who can't read, they know they're struggling yeah. because they can tell what the, their friends are able to do. And it makes them feel, you know, put it plainly, it makes them feel dumb, it makes them feel like there's something wrong with them. And we don't believe that's the case. We just believe they need help so they can read like everybody else. Because and you're right, reading unlocks the world to students. If you can read, you can learn anything. If you can read, you'll have better success in school later on. If you can't read it's pretty much guaranteed you won't do well in the rest of school from grades three on up to
1: high school. So, uh, again, in order to get help <clears throat> for parents to take advantage of this, where do they go?
3: Well, they go to the scholarship funding organization that the state of Florida uses. It's called Step Up for Students, and they have a website, stepupforstudents.org. And people can go there. It's relatively easy to navigate. There are a lot of choices there, but they need to look for the reading scholarship for their Students in grades K through five, and then they make application, and if they qualify, there are some eligibility requirements based upon their reading scores, and if they qualify, they should get five hundred dollars to help them help their students. Yeah. It's just really remarkable. I talked to a, an assistant principal at an elementary school recently, and asked if they were having parents inquire about reading programs or support, and she said yes all the time. Hmm. So we know there's a problem. Here's the solution. It's not the only solution, but it's a good one that parents should pursue because the state provides it, and they should take advantage of it because we want to
1: help our kids. That's the the bottom line. Goflca.com is the website. Pastor Rick, by the way, uh, right now, (laughs) parents are more and more being uh, accused of being uh, terrorists, domestic terrorists, because of their stances in school board meetings and so forth. Any comments and thoughts? Well...
3: I've, I've marveled at that for a long time. You know, we've been hearing from parents across the state of Florida that, that the school districts push them away. When they have questions or concerns, the school districts don't want to really hear from them. They just kind of want the parents to stay in their lane and leave the schools alone. Well, in recent months, a couple of years now, parents have said, no, not so fast, all across the country. yeah, These are our children. We're going to get involved, and they do. Well, yeah, you're right, the FBI registered some concerns about these parents. Imagine, parents who love their kids, stepping up to protect their kids and provide a better education, are identified by the FBI as a threat. And now, the infamous organization, the Southern Poverty Law Center, has decided that parents and groups that support parents' rights are actually hate groups. Who would have imagined? Parents who love their children... Or hate groups. I mean, how
1: could we get more twisted, really? Absolutely. Again, Pastor Rick Stevens, Florida Citizens Alliance. I hope you check out the website, goflca.com. Goflca.com. Pastor Rick, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Hey, thanks for having me, Bob. Always a
1: pleasure. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with... uh, Michael Cannon, he's the director of health policy studies here on the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: You have questions about your retirement?
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. Great performances going on right now. You can get tickets and find out more. Go to the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. So the Cato Institute is
4: a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We, it, Our mission is to advance the traditional American ideals of individual liberty limited government, free markets, and peace. And what that means is we want you, you to be able to live your life however you want as long as you respect the equal rights of others. And as we've talked about many, many times on your show, Bob, that really should not be such a controversial thing. But in Washington, D.C., it is highly
1: controversial. It certainly is, Michael. So uh, I found this Health Care Fairness for All Act uh, that's been proposed by Jeff Sessions back in the beginning of May and I learned, uh, I listened, to, I found out, a, you know, it looks like a pretty good breakthrough type of thing for uh, public health. I just want to get your thoughts at, at, on the Healthcare Fairness for All Act. So uh, the context here is that
4: Republicans have, as you know, been flailing around and trying to coalesce around an alternative uh, healthcare agenda to what Democrats have offered for really the past 60 or even 100 years. Which is more and more government control over your health decisions, more and more government spending, uh, and higher taxes, so that you are less able to purchase the health care that you want, and uh, and also, you know, taking away the choices uh, by by regulating away the choice, many of the uh, health insurance choices that American consumers would like to make. Right. And and a lot of the and and. Republicans have not really coalesced around an alternative. I think because they haven't really focused on what the what the what the problem is. The problem lies with something Congress did 110 years ago. It's called the income tax. And when Congress created the income tax, it unintentionally set into motion a series of events that have just wrecked the healthcare sector in this country. A lot of Republicans are trying to address That uh, some of the problems that the income tax has created, but in ways they don't, that show they don't really understand what the nature of those problems because some of those proposals they've put forward are really just repeating the same old mistakes that Congress has made. And I think I would put uh, Congressman Sessions' bill in that category. What it would do is instead of trying to reduce the Tax codes influence over people's healthcare decisions. It would kind of uh, double down on the idea that the tax code should create, in effect, financial penalties for people who don't buy health insurance. When we, uh, the main one of the main centerpieces of the the Sessions bill is a tax credit for health insurance. Uh huh which means a dollar-for-dollar reduction in your tax liability. If you spend a dollar on health insurance, then your taxes go down by a dollar. That sounds great on the surface, but when you dig a little deeper, you realize that what's happening there is the legislation is saying either you buy health insurance, a type of health insurance that the government has approved and is on this approved list, which allows government to control all health insurance, or you pay higher taxes to the federal government. Now, what kind of a proposal does that sound like that we've heard about recently?
1: Yeah, you know, I I didn't realize that was part of the plan. What I had taken away from it is that it allowed greater choice in health care. You could uh, get a health savings account. They would become universal. You could put money in your health savings account, maybe buy a catastrophic care type of health insurance policy if you're in good health, and, uh, you know, uh, have more flexibility in uh, paying for your health care. So the the
4: the fact that this legislation is all just so trying to build on health savings accounts is a good sign. Yeah. Because health savings accounts, uh, in my estimation, are the best politically feasible option for reducing the influence of the income tax code over Americans' health care decisions. However, if you still are creating special tax preferences for health insurance, like a tax credit, like deductibility just for health insurance premiums, mm-hmm. then what you're doing is you're effectively mimicking Obamacare's individual mandate yeah. again by yeah. saying that either you buy a
1: health insurance plan or you pay higher taxes. See, that is the Achilles heel there. I did, I did not realize and I appreciate you pointing that out. Wouldn't it be better just to eliminate the tax deductibility of health care uh, and uh, just make it a whether you're employed, self-employed, whatever, you, you know, Reduce the taxes, the tax code, or the tax rates for Americans, and just to keep that out of the code. If
4: the federal government is going to impose an income tax, and I'm not saying it should, I would prefer it did not. Right. Then it, the the base should be as broad as possible, and there should be zero exemptions or deductions or credits or anything like that. Uh, not only because that distorts economic decision making. But it, it that's the stuff that adds all the complexity on April 15th when we go to file our taxes. Right. And so it, it imposes tremendous compliance costs as well. Uh, and so uh, what Congress should be doing is, you're right, eliminating all of those tax preferences and lowering tax rates so that, uh, so that people, so that the tax code distorts people's economic decisions less, so that we get to make our own health care decisions without government penalizing it if we choose the quote wrong type of health insurance uh and uh, we would also get uh, uh there'd be less of an incentive for people to demand those tax breaks because rates would be lower and we would also have more robust economic growth which is the best antidote for uh for poverty or unmet medical needs because when more people can afford medical care themselves. you have more economic growth, more people can afford medical care themselves, and we have more money left around for those who cannot help themselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In my in my view, if our uh, if our health insurance was patient-centric, if uh, patients were able to make their decisions based on not only the quality of health care but also on the cost, that in and of itself would drive down the cost of health care.
4: And I should say also in favor of... Uh, uh, Congressman Sessions' bill. He, he also wants to uh, facilitate uh, telemedicine, make health insurance more portable. Uh, so he is looking at uh, a, a lot. He's trying to fix a lot of the problems the government has created in health care by putting restrictions on telemedicine and penalizing people if they purchase portable health insurance uh, and penalize what we call direct primary care type of arrangements. Some of these problems are... St- at the state level, the federal government cannot fix them. Others, the federal government can. Uh, and so uh, uh, there. I don't want to be totally negative about all of the content of this bill. Uh, uh, there are some good elements, yeah. but I think it's very important that we uh, focus on uh, not just uh, changing uh, or, or tweaking uh, the, the the penalties that the tax code creates uh, for people who don't make the quote right decisions about their health insurance, and really focus on reducing and ultimately eliminating
1: them. Well, it's so interesting because, as you, as you you've mentioned here, this seems to be the Achilles heel of the uh, the healthcare bill because actually it encourages you. It encourages you to buy more expensive health insurance because it reduces your tax by taxes by an equal amount.
4: That's right. And another problem <clears throat> with these sorts of tax preferences for health insurance is uh, it. <clears throat> It induces, some, it induces some people to purchase more health insurance than they would otherwise, which right. makes them less price-sensitive, less price-conscious, and that leads to higher health care prices. Yeah. Uh, and then there's all the lobbying that then takes place over the definition of what kind of coverage you have to buy in order to qualify for that tax credit. And that's when all of the doctors and uh, pharmaceutical companies and other health care providers – lobby Congress in order to effectively require you to purchase coverage for their services, which increases uh, the cost of health insurance, and it also makes consumers even less price-sensitive.
1: So I'll say this, Michael. This sounds like a pretty good bill, except for the Achilles heel of this whole... uh... Uh, relationship with the tax code. So uh, I I would imagine that you have some influence in Congress. Perhaps uh, this session, this bill will go through uh, committees. It's got a schedule to go through committees already. Hopefully that can be fixed and then we can get come out with a clean health care fairness for all act that would be helpful for all Americans.
4: So there, as I said, there's a lot of Republicans out there who are trying to, to, uh, to do the right thing on health care and they haven't yet coalesced around a, a unifying message and set of reforms uh, there are other bills out there, maybe we could talk about those on future shows okay. and uh, and and see what we can do about nudging them in the right direction
1: Michael Cannon again, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org Michael, really appreciate your commentary here on the show, thank you so much for joining us Anytime, Bob. Take care. You you as well. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The Bob Hartman Show, and now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Lulabee's Diner. They're serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. Its venue is just terrific, and it's got some great food. It's inexpensive, no reservations needed, and I just encourage you to go to Lullaby's Diner Wednesday through Saturday evening, 4 to 8 p.m. for a terrific, a wonderful a menu. Uh, coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seaton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seaton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seaton. Tell us about Less Government.
5: Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and even the people that are supposed to don't. <laughs> yeah, but
1: it's a big market. But I uh, really appreciate your efforts. You, you wrote a column, Choose Wisely House GOP's Joe Biden Oversight. Uh, maybe you can tell us about it.
5: Well, yeah, you know, obviously they've, uh, the House GOP, and I, I commend them multiple times in the article, is doing yeoman's work, uh, you know, the, investigating the, the Biden administration, Joe Biden's corruption, uh, the administration's corruption. And now, unfortunately, it all comes to naught because is Merrick Garland's Justice Department going to do anything with this mounting evidence of corruption? No. Yeah. Um, the, is the media going to do anything with it? No. If you mention it on social media, you get the Hunter Biden laptop treatment. So, uh, nevertheless, they press forward, and I really appreciate their efforts. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Biden appointed as the head of the Federal Trade Commission a radical named Linda, uh, uh, Lena Khan, And she's a total radical. She got some Republican votes in the Senate because... And I understand it. I understood the temptation at the time. She said some very. uh, She wanted to be very aggressive with big tech companies. Great, that's fantastic. However, she's that aggressive with everybody. Mm
2: -hmm. And as
5: I, as I, I, you know, the FTC, the limit on a for, for just for merger review, you know, for or acquisition review, the the threshold money, the monetary threshold for FTC investigation is a hundred and one million dollars.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: I, I had to look up when that statute was written because obviously a hundred and one million dollars in today's economy, not very much money. Right. And of course with the inflated dollar now, it's even less money. So she's investigating all these tiny things and all these tiny companies that really aren't a threat to anybody, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, 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 uh, my point has been for a while now i would like to see the ftc look into big tech companies and big banks you know the the, the actual companies that come as close to, as possible as you can to a monopoly these days right and not blur the lines and not muddy the messaging by going after every frickin' transaction of $101 million that comes down the pipe. Well, here's the thing, Seaton.
1: Um, Seaton, some uh, mergers and acquisitions, some of them are very beneficial to the consumer.
5: There's one, the, my, my, one of my favorite examples that she's fighting the block. In the airline industry, there are four huge carriers. American United, Southwest is number four, and I think Delta. I think those are the big four. And then the drop-off from four to five. Is like three passengers to one. Yeah. I mean, after the big four, it's a bunch of also-rans. Well, numbers six and eight are trying to merge. JetBlue and Spirit are trying to get together. They still combined will not be a third of the number of passengers of number four uh, Southwest. And the and the FTC is trying to block it.
1: Huh. Why? Why?
5: You know? Why? W- w- to what point and purpose? And again. When you want to, when they do want to go after Facebook or or Google or some of the other big companies, you've you've muddied your message because now you you know so on the other side of the messaging coin, you've got the Republicans. Now I've been screaming about FTC abuses ever since Lena Kahn got nominated basically. Well, the, 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 the House Republicans finally issued an official, I, you know, I, I don't know what's been going on behind the scenes, but they've finally officially come forward and said the FTC is abusing its power. Mm-hmm. And what company do they choose to defend as an example, uh, as the as the quintessential example of the FTC abusing its oversight power? Facebook. <laughs> Facebook is uh, now. Now, don't get you know. They're saying they're abusing their power by acquiring this company. No kidding. Uh, No, the FTC is saying they're abusing power by acquiring this company. They are. They acquire a company a month. Anybody that looks like it might be a competitor to Facebook, Facebook buys. That's why they bought Instagram years ago. That's why they bought WhatsApp years ago. Uh, Things that probably shouldn't have been allowed to happen. Um, but you know now they have and it 's very hard to go back and you know go back in time and unwind this they try to do it, but it 's very difficult but anyway, of all the abuses that the, the House <clears throat> Republicans could point to, they point to facebook yeah now which by the way was the tenth largest uh lobbyist and contributor in twenty in in the twenty twenty two cycle huh. Not to, and that doesn't even count. But remember the four hundred million dollars Zuckerberg spent rigging the election. Zuckerberg, of course, being the president and founder of right. Facebook. Right. So not only have they chosen poorly from an FTC messaging standpoint, they've chosen poorly from a political standpoint. Stop feeding the hands that bite you. They've, they've, they've they're defending a, a, a company. That helped turn the red wave into a trickle. I mean, this is just so stupid in so many different directions. It's unbelievable. There's so much stuff that they could do bipartisan fashion. And it should be on the Facebook company. That should be something where the FTC and the House Republicans because that's what the Senate Republicans voted for when they voted to confirm Lena Khan, the chairman. And instead, of all the abuses for almost two years now. This is what they come up with: is Facebook acquiring somebody? The, one of the very few things I want the FTC doing, the House GOP is opposing.
1: So the, the interesting thing to me is, I think the uh, federal government, especially this administration, wants to see big businesses get even bigger, eliminate the smaller yes. competition, and uh, so the consequence of that is that uh, they, they end up ha- having crony uh, capitalism with these uh, companies. It uh, kind, of, kind of because f- these
5: companies are so big, they can buy cronyism.
1: Yes. Right. So, uh, and unfortunately, I mean, she ha- they have a great mission. They, they could actually, for example, uh, take big companies that are in- getting in the way of competition and, and make them smaller. They could divide them, that kind of thing. That's not their purpose. though. They don't want to do that. They want to get rid of the little competition.
5: That's right. And, 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 and they're actually working. They're actually doing something right on Facebook, and the GOP opposes them.
1: Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit the, the website, lessgovernment.org. You can also uh, visit uh, Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day, sir. Thank you. Uh, you as well. Thank you, Seton. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here in the Bob Hardin Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs>
0: back to the Bob Harden
5: Show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, I proudly serve on their board. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies going into the legislature. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. He knows where all the bodies are buried. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
2: Well, my pleasure. I don't know about all of them, Bob. Yeah, so so council winding down, uh, two more meetings to go. Well, I don't know how they'll finish up. Uh, they have so much stuff on their agenda and, and, you know, they, there's a lot of things they had to put off because of that, uh, house bill, you know, that, that, that passed, um, with the, uh, the um uh, site plans and everything else that had to be just absolutely they said nope there if you passed them you got to rescind them mm. and so that's that's you know and that's with all cities but um that's posing a, a big problem and then I my understanding is is that they signed up for a new traffic study again uh, I think it was three hundred and something thousand dollars for downtown Naples and they're having this controversy about out of you know about outside dining in public right-of-ways, and um, it will turn into, they've, they've put it off now, I think, until September or August when they come back from vacation. Um, but that should be a, um, a- an interesting um, <laughs> debacle. Yeah. But why another traffic study, Bob? Can I tell you how many traffic studies we've done over just the years that I was in office? I mean, one after another, and you know where they end up, right?
1: In the trash bin.
2: Yeah, well, on a shelf
1: somewhere, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. in, in my opinion, uh, all of this should be put off until 5G is a, is a, uh, implemented here in the United States, and in Naples, for that matters, because uh, that's going to provide the, the intelligence and the wherewithal to control traffic patterns based on how the traffic is actually fr- uh, flowing.
2: Right, right. Well, who knows how long, but, you know we're still good Naples and uh we love it and so you know whatever but they're spending my money like god guys you're gonna think of something else to do other than another traffic study which will come back I already know the results so you know what's the sense yeah and um otherwise I was going to just talk to you for a second about that um about those horrible fires in Canada and you know it affects us we have um relatives in Nova Scotia we've got um Friends in in Toronto and Quebec, um, um, Montreal, and it's like they're all, you know, in the emails they say it's just very very scary, and yeah. I, I, I can't imagine. Um, so and then and then the headlines and post today it says blame Canada. How can you blame anybody for anything? I mean the smoke, yeah. I mean what are they supposed to do? Yeah, I know. <laughs> well,
1: the the thing is, I there's millions of acres that are that are burning. What's really concerning from my standpoint is this is not just an event that's going to occur this is the beginning of fire season here in canada right and so this is this is has the possibility and probability i think of uh continuing for months
2: yeah and 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 they usually get you know a lot of rain um and they had very little snow this winter Mm -hmm. um and they haven't i don't know how long since they have rain but there, you know, Nova Scotia is usually pretty, pretty wet, and um, so I just am hoping that some storms roll through or something has to happen because um, they're they're out of control. I mean, there was like four hundred and something fires, right? Uh, and uh, I feel bad for the people there. I mean, they lost already homes, been lost and people's lives, and then they're complaining about the smoke in New York City. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's oh.
1: pretty. I mean, it's it's the the air is very polluted right now, and yeah. uh, people that have health risks and that and, and breathing problems, it's going to be really exacerbate those problems. So I, you know, I, I really feel for them. But
2: uh, it's a, oh, I do too. I wasn't being unsympathetic. Um, right. I just was saying, you know, you can't put blame Canada on there. The poor people up there didn't start those fires, and uh, it's a shame. All oh, of millions of acres. But uh, yeah, other than that. um as I say, the traffic is gone. Uh, restaurants are open, uh, and you can certainly get in there without any reservations. That's for sure.
1: That's a beautiful thing, Bill. Hey, uh, you may not have any comments on this, but I, it concerns me that apparently the uh, the uh, FEMA has gone through and they've changed the uh, the maps for. Uh, citizens insurance and for a, being able to get insurance even I, I read that some things that the that uh, the premiums could go up as much as 80 percent and i'm talking about our homeowners yep. insurance I, I what if you have any insider thoughts on that
2: well you know this is not the first time they've done that but specifically at this time it's like what is the matter with you people look everybody people are struggling as it is okay and i'm waiting bob i'll have more on this uh, in a couple of weeks because my insurance, uh, my, I have we have citizens, and I'm really curious. I've never had a claim or anything else, and uh, you know we've got a small little place. But I, I'll be curious within the next two weeks. Definitely, we'll have more on that because we'll have my, I have my insurance bill, and I'll see, I'll be able to tell you exactly uh, if there was an increase. They didn't drop me, but um, you know what? A lot of people that I know are doing. Mm. they're getting ri- they're just getting rid of the flood insurance period. Yeah. They're just not taking it. Uh the hurricane insurance it's, it's just not worth it because that's where all that, that's where all that increase is. You know, and we lived they,
1: on, we lived on the uh, coast in in California. We're about right. uh, 300 yards from the from the shore break. And uh, our insurance agent, I asked him. I said, "Well, what happens if, in fact, uh, we we end up getting flooded here with uh, some sort of tsunami or something like that?" And he said, right. <laughs> he said "Burn the house down." <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, w- words of wisdom, I'll tell you. Uh, but it's it is serious, and uh, I see what you see. Um, People are, are really upset. They don't know what to do. They can't get insurance. Uh, and if they can get insurance, they can't afford to pay for it. Right. Uh, you know, uh, so I don't know. Those are things that you and I are going to have to deal with, okay, with the public and see w- what what comes of this. And I also will leave you with this. I see Alfie Oaks is, and the school board, they're in court today Yeah. over uh, Alfie's... Um, uh, lawsuit against the collier county school board which claims the board and its search firm violated the sunshine law with the superintendent search well i don't think they did i'm no judge on this but i know the city council whenever we've hired a search firm yeah um we let them narrow down to you know if you get 50 or 80 applicants or whatever it is we, we don't we don't want to go through everyone let the search firm weed through like you would that's what search firms are for and then pick out. You certainly have an option if you want to go through all of them to pick one or two out that you want to add to the list. But Alfie said no nope, sunshine law, So yeah. I'll be very curious to see what happens here. Well, I,
1: I think he's just unhappy with the result. They end up uh, selecting yes. somebody there for years. Now, I don't know this woman, and she may be extremely competent, and she may be very right. good at what she's doing. But in my opinion, uh, all our schools are being rated A and B, and uh, you know, 58% of the kids can read at uh, grade level uh, so the results, uh, the results, I think, are not good, and yet we claim that the kids are just doing great in school. In my opinion, uh, a new broom sweeps clean, bringing somebody that can get us back up and be competitive, not just in the United States because Florida is number one in right. the United States, but in the world because we're dropping like a rock in terms of performance across the world.
2: Right, and nothing against the candidate that he had picked that it was his hand-choosing uh, uh uh, a, a nice, nice gentleman with some decent credentials, but nothing close to what the current school board superintendent yeah.
1: has. Absolutely. And so,
2: when you say you want to, we want to improve them, get kids' grades up. Obviously, we do, but that doesn't make it. But I'm not so sure about that candidate. So yeah. people did what they wanted to do, and we will just see what happens.
1: Absolutely, and with that note of wisdom. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of <laughs> Naples, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks,
2: thanks, Bob. Hit him good today. All right. Take thank you.
1: you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I learned a lot, and I hope you did as well. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with William Yateman. Uh, he is a senior legal fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. Larry Bell is an endowed professor at the University of Houston in Space Architecture. Art DiLorenzo is the president and founder of uh, uh, Maximize My Talent. And we'll also visit with Ryan Young. who is a senior economist uh, with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. So it's going to be a great information-packed show. And I hope you'll join us. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. (laughs)